Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast about finding adventure every day and making your life a little more interesting. From Dallas, Texas, I'm James Barrett, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Michael DeRosiers in Bangkok, Thailand. Now this week, James, we're talking about food once again. This time we're talking about camp food, some of our favorite campfire meals, trail recipes, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But first, very important order of business, James. Did you do anything new or adventurous this week? You know, I I kind of did something new this week. I wouldn't necessarily call it adventurous, but I finally sat down and watched Expedition Everest. Have you seen it? Ah, uh, I have not. No. Wait, wait. Or wait, is that the IMAX? Is that the IMAX one? I, the one that was made in at the like during the disaster, the ninety six disaster. Is that the- no, this is a different one. It's a newer one. Okay, then no, I haven't. <laughs> I don't know. I may, maybe it's not Expedition Everest. It may be called something different, but it's a Nat Geo documentary just about Everest and okay. climbing it and things like that. And as we've talked about, it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks, so I, there hasn't been too much to get out and do. But I did finally watch that, and that is something new. That's all that matters. Well, that's adventurous. Yeah, and we count that. We're very forgiving with this game. (laughs) We are. As long as you did something technically new. That's right. (laughs) Well, I did something new this week as well. I was talking with a listener who has been writing back and forth with me about the infrared photography and kind of inspired me to get out and try it. So it's kind of a hard form of photography to make it look good. So I've been practicing quite a bit. And I decided I'm going to do a a project called Seven Days of IR. That's what I'm calling it for myself, where I go out each day and I take a different set of photos using a different infrared filter on my camera and kind of play around with how those look. I'm not doing seven days in a row because I simply, well, I work. I don't have time to go (laughs) traipsing around taking pictures of stuff in infrared all the time. But I've done three days so far. And the pictures are turning out really cool. And that's why I went to that Chinese temple uh, last week as well Mm. for some of these pictures. And maybe once I finish my seven days of IR, I'll maybe make a portfolio and put it on the website. I don't know. We'll see how they turn out. I got to do stuff like that. I got to set projects for myself. I think that a personal project is really important, even if you get nothing else out of it. I really like, these are really good. It's surreal, but it's not unrealistic, if that makes sense. Like the sky is dark and the trees are white and it's like you can almost think that it's all a black and white photo, but it's not. I've been having fun doing that. So each day I just put a different filter on the camera, set out to a different neighborhood in Bangkok, but I'll definitely put some pictures on the website. So you can go to our attemptadventure.com, click on the show notes for this episode, and I'll put uh, two or three pictures up there for your viewing pleasure. So I would encourage you, James, and our listeners, come up with a personal project. I think it's really beneficial. I'm going to get nothing out of this, but this is just purely for myself. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Next order of business. Now, you all still have one week to get in your your bird pictures for the monthly challenge because we fell behind on publishing the episodes due to some just family stuff that both of us were going through. And that's just how life is. So you have an extra week, but I have a bird picture for you, James, and I'm going to share it to you before we talk about our new monthly challenge. It's not the prettiest bird, but this bird hatched in my mailbox. Hey, little guy. There's two little guys. Yeah, Mama Bird built a nest in the mailbox, and uh, you can't really move that, can you? So, (laughs) got him. Safe place to be. It's going to get hot in there, but do birds care? care Maybe not Thai birds. Maybe not. They know what they're doing. 
Our new monthly challenge is coming up, and this is for the month of July. You can find more details on our website. I want you all to go out and find your favorite local food. This is going to be interesting, I think, because it means something different to everybody. You live in Thailand. You have a lot of street food, a lot of options for food. Food, honestly, is everywhere. Whereas in the in the States, it's not like that. You don't have street food, but you may have a favorite spot that you go. Is your favorite food something you make? That's also fine. It's going to be interesting, you know, looking at the stats for our podcast. We have downloads and listeners from all around the world. And so I'm really curious to see what people from different countries and different regions have to show us. Yeah, so... Snap a picture, send it to us. Hello at attemptadventure.com, subject line, challenge. Well, now, before we get into the heart of the episode, James, we have a new segment that I'm thrilled about, listener mail. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, we sent out a call to our listeners to write in and tell us about their COVID travel experiences. How has COVID affected your travel? We had a whole episode about how COVID has affected our adventures and how we keep a hold of our adventuring spirit in spite of the pandemic. And so we wanted to hear what our listeners had to say. And we have an excellent email from listener Molly. And she says, "Uh, Hello, I wanted to share with you my story of the COVID-19 pandemic and how I have traveled since the world closed its doors. I was working on the cruise ship Morella Discovery 2. Morella or Morea? I'm not sure. One of those. It's good enough. In March 2020, when the countries we were visiting began shutting up shop. Colombia was the first to refuse us entry, and then Panama. This was extremely hard, as the tour was called Panama Canal Experience. Whoops. (laughs) So we floated around in the sea for 42 days off the coast of Jamaica, then Mexico, then Barbados for a while, and then Haiti, before finally making our way to Dominican Republic to let some crew go home, and then to Lisbon, and finally to Southampton. It was a scary time, and I was then stuck working in a warehouse, trying to help with the pandemic in any way I could. I was bored and hated it and knew the restrictions in Spain were not half as extreme, so I handed in my notice, quit my job, and went off to Mallorca to seek adventure. Dad, I'm quitting my job and moving to Magaluf. He nearly hit the roof. I spent eight weeks of summer 2020 finding myself, and whilst there, I found a job out in Thailand, so I hopped on the plane home and hopped on another one to Thailand. I have since explored every inch of tourist Thailand. My goal was to see 50 countries by the end of 2021, but unfortunately, as Thailand's borders are closed with quarantines... Molly, I feel your pain. (laughs) That has not been possible. (laughs) Still at 23 years old, I am sat on 42 countries wanting to see the whole world, and I will. Hopefully a world with travel will be possible again soon. I'm really inspired. It was great to hear how Molly's been able to embrace adventure because travel is possible right now. It's just hard and it's slow. It is slow. It helps if you don't have a U.S. passport right now because ain't nobody want us. And that's fine. No. <laughs> I get it. No. I but, get the impression. I'm not 100% sure because I've not heard her speak, but based on her spelling, I believe she's British. And the fact that they went to Southampton, yeah. It's cool that you know she was still able to sort of work around restrictions and things like that. Because you can do it. You just have to be safe. You have to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And you can travel right now. And it's great to hear that she's in Thailand. And I sent her a message and I said, thanks for the email. And I was like, I've been in Thailand for eight years, but I've never been here as a tourist. I've been living here. So since you've explored every inch of tourist Thailand, what are your favorite places? What do you recommend? So uh, she wrote back and she said, here's kind of her list of her favorite spots that she's seen in tourist Thailand. Some of them are stuff I've done. Some of them are not. So she said, Icon Siam, the brand new shopping mall on the river. It's beautiful here in Bangkok. Um, You've not been here since they built Mm -hmm. it, but it's really a spectacle. 
The malls are great. Yeah. I I can't say enough good things about them for some reason. They're great. <laughs> They're incredible. Yeah. So Icon CM, which I agree is very cool. Calson Road, I'm not overly fond of, but that's just me. That's just my own experiences there. And maybe I need to go back and re-experience it again and give it a second chance. Uh, Riley Beach, she says it was her favorite sunset. Ko Pee Pee, Pee Pee Island, phenomenal. The Monkey Trail at Aonong, which I had never heard of, but looks really cool. It's like a hiking trail hmm. at Aonong Beach in Krabi Province. Elephant Sanctuary in Chiang Mai. Zoe in Yellow in Chiang Mai, which I believe is a bar. Nikki Beach in Koh Samui. And she says she loves them all. So some of those I had never heard of. And I was really excited to get some recommendations for the tourist side of Thailand, which I honestly have missed out on. And even when I've been there, it's been more your experiences. It's been much more of a local experience, which is, it's cool. It's kind of because I don't know about them. So I'm excited to get some recommendations from somebody that (laughs) actually knows what she's doing. Yeah. So thanks, Molly. Thanks for writing in. And listeners, we'd love to hear your listener mail as well. Write in hello at attemptadventure.com. Tell us about your COVID adventuring experiences or anything else you'd like to share. Well, in this episode, we're here to talk about food. This is a new addition to our camping series. James, we're pretty good camp cooks, I got to say. So let's talk about meals. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. Let's start with breakfast. You can't go wrong with good old like bacon and eggs, some, Mm -hmm. some biscuits. Do the old trick where you get a stick and you wrap the biscuit dough around the stick and you can cook it on the fire. That's the way mm. to go. Breakfast burritos are, are always good. That's good option. That's kind of my go-to. You know, you scramble a few eggs. Then you – I usually go for sausage when I'm doing my breakfast burritos. Yeah, I'm like, oh, sausage. Yeah. You scramble some sausage up. You need a little shredded cheese, maybe some cheddar. Get some Tabasco sauce. Mm. Wrap it all up in a tortilla. It's delicious. Easy, delicious. And you can eat like eight of them. <laughs> Yeah, and you're happy. <laughs> you do. I mean, you eat way too many of them. You always right. going to have the um, picante sauce to go with it. Paste picante sauce, which is not salsa. It's not. It's, I don't know what makes it different, but it is. No, it's really good. You're going to have paste chunky medium. That's the best one. I always like to add potatoes to mine. You stir fry some potatoes. Yeah, I've never done that, but that sounds great. Some peppers, maybe. Yeah, now I'm hungry. Another one that's very good that we did when we were in Namtok Samlon National Park over Christmas is that we made a uh, sweet potato and chorizo hash. Mm. You got sweet potatoes, well, chorizo, obviously, green pepper, maybe a sour green apple, a yellow onion, a little salt, pepper, garlic, a few scrambled eggs. Scramble it all together into a hash. And food always tastes better outside. Have you ever made like muffins in like an orange peel? No. Let's talk about that. So how do you do that? How I always did it is you sort of, you cut the top off of the orange. Okay. And you sort of do it so you can get all the, the orange out of it. Okay. So you just have the peel. Yeah. You, you kind of scoop all the orange out, you eat the orange, and then you mix up like muffin batter or something and you fill okay. up the orange peel with it. You put the little lid on, wrap it in foil and put it in the coals. And oh, you nice. bake a muffin okay. inside the orange. So you end up with like a nice orange flavored muffin. Oh, that sounds great. I'd never tried that that's before. Great. That's, that sounds really you know, good. You're going to get like the, the lemon one or like a cranberry muffin or blueberry, orange blueberry. It's delicious. But for my breakfast, usually it's pretty simple. I, I typically don't get too crazy. Stuff like that, pancakes. 
pancake mix yeah, is always easy. easy. Like especially the stuff that you just add water and shake it up and squirt yeah. it out. That's now if I'm in the backcountry, oatmeal, instant oatmeal mm. can't go wrong. You can bring along some summer sausage and things like that too, and that's always mm-hmm. good. Yeah, but it's also hard to beat just a nice big bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> mm, maybe a pop tart, but oatmeal oh, is yeah. more filling. You can break up the pop tart and put it in the oatmeal. Never done that. I don't that know. Sounds good. Me neither. But it sounds like probably good. <laughs> you know, the thing with cooking while camping is that it needs to be good, but also simple. You know, you can't have a million ingredients and have to time everything and stuff like that. It's really stuff you can cook it while like on the stove. Now, lunches while camping, I typically don't cook. I was going to say lunch is probably the least exciting camping meal. Usually yeah. I just have like sandwich stuff or even like Lunchables, something like that. Yeah, I typically, it's just like a cheese and crackers or summer sausage and that kind of thing. Just snack it. Although there is one thing that I've cooked that you mm. honestly can't go wrong with. And that is the classic fried Spam and egg sandwich. Yes. You just get your slice of Spam, you fry it up, and you put it on a sandwich, a toasted sandwich. Maybe get some fried eggs right on top of that. Slice of cheese, melt it over the top. Some some of that stone mm. ground German mustard. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Also good for breakfast, though. I mean, you can have that for yeah. lunch, but that's also very breakfasty. I typically don't cook for lunch. It's just yeah, sandwiches or some of these. Like- I guess a lot of times at lunch you're kind of walking around and, and exploring. Yeah, you don't you're, want to spend too like much time doing cooking. stuff. But how about dinner? Mm-hmm. Now I'm a fan of stuff that can cook in a one pot or one thing. So. The first camping recipe I ever learned how to make was hobo burgers. Right. And that's what my Boy Scout troop, we called them trail burgers because you often have them when you're out on the trail. Hobo, we hobo, them hobo burgers. We call them hobo burgers. Same kind of deal. You get heavy duty foil. Like thick though. You want it thick. And if you don't have heavy duty, you need like two or three layers of it because it's going to get juicy. Yeah. I always set, um, I put the vegetables down, put potatoes and some carrots and really onion, whatever you want. Put that in there. I like to put a little bit of butter in there if you have it, season it up, then make a hamburger patty. I always put it on top of the vegetables. That way the cooked in all the the meat juice. And so you put that, do whatever seasoning you want. Yeah. A little salt, pepper, maybe some garlic powder. Got to always keep garlic powder in your camp cooking. Oh yeah. And you just sort of wrap it up real tight and you just put it in the coals and. Not in the fire. You got to put it on the coals. (laughs) That's. Put it on the coals and just sort of let it sit there. Yeah. Until it's cooked. It can sit there. You can't overcook it, really. I mean, you want to have a little bit of liquid in there, whether that's from meat juice or butter or whatever, just mm-hmm. so it doesn't burn. And then you take it out of the fire, you open it up, and you got sort of part hamburger, part beef stew, put a little bit of yeah. mustard on it or ketchup or whatever you want, and just go to town. Uh, another one you can do if you're car camping is fire top pizza. You know, get one of those mm-hmm. pre-made mm-hmm. pizza crusts. Put the grate down over the fire, put the pizza crust right there, put your sauce and your pepperoni or whatever toppings you want, your cheese, uh, and just cook it right over the fire. It cooks really quickly and it's super, super simple. And hey, you got pizza, you know? <laughs> like, no. you don't need to make the dough or anything. They make those pre-made crusts that are great. You can cook anything Yeah, on, and honestly, on you fire. can't go wrong with the classic dogs and bergs, as we say. No, ber- <laughs> bergs and dogs, dogs and bergs. <laughs> there's, there's almost nothing better than a hot dog cooked on a fire. Put on a stick, like in a cartoon. It's delicious. And I know. It's amazing. I've cooked everything from steak and baked potatoes and, you know, you, you can cook anything. Right. I mean, these are just a few ideas to get you started, guys. Yeah. You can't go wrong. You can have hot dogs and cold cuts for every meal if you want. Sure. Sure. I mean, sure. I've done it. <laughs> Here in Thailand, I love a pork floss and chili paste sandwich. Super easy. Yeah. 
Sounds weird. Looks weird. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like some dried squid. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and people that I've met tend to be on one side or the other. They tend to either think that you should go all out when you're camping and you should cook big breakfast and steaks and, you know, everything else, which is I've done and it's fun. But it's also, I'm also just fine with grilling up some hot dogs and throwing them in a pot of beans. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, you get some baked beans and some stuff to add to it. Yeah, baked beans, chopped up hot dogs, a little barbecue sauce goes a long oh, way. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Make some cowboy beans. So, yeah, it's just a bunch of meat bacon if you have it left over from breakfast. Yeah. You just put all that in a pot of beans and let it simmer away for a little bit, and you got yourself yeah. a nice hearty meal. Baby, you got a stew going. Oh, it's delicious. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite dinners is just right. slop in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I mean, speaking of slop in a bowl the best dessert is camp cobbler. Mm -hmm. And this is something that my Boy Scout troop made every time, every time we oh, went yeah. out camping. Every single time. You got to have camp cobbler, James. We made camp cobbler. One time we made this recipe just for the two of us and we were so full and we could only eat like a third of it. And then uh, that night the raccoons did the rest of the work and we woke up to a very yeah. sparkling clean pot. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that trip the other day. We stayed one night. Initially we were supposed to stay two by the Evening of the first night, we had basically decided we weren't going to stay. Yeah. And so we had like eaten two days worth of dinner and like everything else. And we made like a huge cobbler and ate and ate and ate. It felt so sick. <laughs> it felt so sick. <laughs> Man. <laughs> we did not follow the rules and we left food out. If we'd been in bear country, we'd both be dead. So we slept in the back of a truck. We, were not we slept in the back of a truck and we just had food laying out. Luckily, there are raccoons and, or maybe maybe a homeless guy, maybe just some guy. Maybe it was a weak, creepy Boy Scout just coming along, <laughs> sniffing along for cobbler. Well, cobbler is one of the best things you can make for dessert, and it's so much fun to make it. You need a, you do need a Dutch oven, like a cast iron Dutch mm -hmm. oven. You put it right on your coals, and it's it could not be easier to make. You start with a can of peaches. Peaches and syrup, peach pie filling, something like yeah. that. Yeah, peaches and syrup. You pour it right into the Dutch oven. Then you open up a box of yellow cake. Pour that yellow cake mix right on top of that. You need a quarter pound of butter. That's a, a stick of butter. You cut it into four quarters, and you put one quarter at each kind of corner on top. Maybe a little sprinkle of cinnamon if you have it. And then you take a bottle, like a like a just a small bottle of cream soda. You pour that cream soda all over the top of it. Mm -hmm. it soaks right in. You put the lid on, you put your coals on top, you set that Dutch oven right on top of the coals so that it's sandwiched with coals on top, coals at the bottom, and you just let it sit until that cake mix is done baking. After that, you've got a giant thing of cobbler, and honestly, it really couldn't be easier. And you can use any fruit pie filling and any yes. flavor cake mix you want. I have done cherry chocolate. Cherry chocolate so is good. very good. A lot of these recipes online call for uh, lemon lime soda. Skip that. Cream soda all Cream the way. Soda. Go with cream soda. However, I have made cherry chocolate with a Dr. Pepper. Now that sounds good, actually. Because Dr. Pepper has good. that like prune flavor. That probably probably yeah, would go well uh, with it. Yeah. So that's really good. I'm trying to think with the weirdest one I made. I tried strawberry strawberry, and that was mm. also really good with some cream soda. Anything you want. Mix and match. You can do peach chocolate. That might be weird, but you can do it. Like, you honestly, do I don't see how you could mess it up, really. I mean <laughs> No matter what you do, it's gonna taste fine. Even if the flavors clash, you're gonna, well, you got cake and fruit. I mean, come on. It's such a great dessert. So I mean, it's so easy, and it's so good. Don't don't try like pumpkin. Don't do pumpkin. No, I would say not. Don't. I would say <laughs> don't do pumpkin. 
but you know, I'm not here to tell you what to do. So if you feel like doing it, go for it. Yeah. Um, let me know how it works. <laughs> and then, of course, you just can't go wrong with s'mores, James. You oh, yeah. Toast I mean, a marshmallow. You get your Hershey's bar. You get your graham crackers. Easy as that. So good. Everyone knows what a s'more is. Do we need to like, I don't think we need to describe s'mores. You know what s'mores are. Yeah, if you don't, <laughs> all know how to Google make it. <laughs> now, how do you like your marshmallow? I like to set it on fire, then immediately put it out. I was like that for years. Or like more not cooked than cooked. Like just mm-hmm. barely golden brown. But the last well, time. I like, I like it a little, I like it a little charred. When we went camping, I went sort of camping, glamping with my fiance and we were making s'mores and just for fun, I was like, I'm going to set it on fire and just let it go. And it'll okay. burn. One, they burn really well. What are they made of? I don't know. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so it's where the whole thing is just black and blistered and whatever. Put that on the graham cracker with the chocolate and everything else. Super good. I'm never going back. I don't typically like burnt flavor, but it's super good. I apologize to anyone that I made fun of in the past for burning their marshmallows. But the thing is, I think it's the difference because if you just, if you let it catch on fire and it burns till it's not on fire anymore, the outside is crispy and gooey and things like that. But the middle is still kind of marshmallowy. It's not really melted yet. So it's kind of a, you get, you get all of it at once and you're going to be stickier than you've ever been. There's nothing you can do about it. If you don't like being sticky, get over it. I hate being sticky. It's one of my biggest pet peeves on this beautiful planet. I hate it so much. And so s'mores, it's just what it is. It's the price you pay for s'mores. And you're you're outside, so it's just, don't, don't worry about how much dirt you're eating. It's fine. There was one time when I was camping, and we had brought steaks to cook for dinner that first night. My friend went to take it out of the Ziploc bag and immediately dropped it in the dirt. And this is a Boy Scout camp, and so we had a big five-gallon jug of Gatorade. And so what do you do? You rinse the steak off with the Gatorade, and you cook it anyway. I mean, yeah. And you know what? It was just fine. Well, it sounds like the steaks were low. Waka waka. Oh, no. But there you go. Yeah, you can't worry about that kind of thing. (laughs) Just don't. Just just go nuts. Yeah. And as for, like, camping gear for cooking, my preference is an open fire. Yes, an open fire with a Dutch oven is great. Dutch ovens are pretty expensive, though. I mean, that's a pretty Mm -hmm. big investment if you're not used to camping or if you've never been camping before. Any type of stove is fine. Uh, A Coleman stove, like you said, the two-burner Coleman Mm -hmm. stove is great. A canister stove in a pinch is is fine, even if you're car camping. I have the set, and you can find them for like $10 on Amazon. They're probably made in China, but it's like a, a packable camping cook set where you have a little pot, and it it's like it all stacks together. You have a little pot, a little frying pan, a little tea kettle, you have some spoons, mm-hmm. some bowls, everything all goes together in one. Like there's no need to buy a ton of expensive gear. Now you can, yeah. and a lot of people will, but starting out, you that really don't great. need a ton of expensive gear. Just get a cheap no. cheap canister stove, uh, a little thing of gas, or you know, definitely get coals. Uh, if you're at a state park or a national park and there's a fire pit, there's usually a grill that you can just put right over the fire, like directly on the fire. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. And cook right in the fire pit, especially if you're doing burgers or steaks or something like that. Maybe just get like a grill pan or a cookie sheet that you can cook on. And if all you have is a campfire and a stick, you can cook hot dogs. I mean... Always bring foil just in case. Oh, yeah. Anything that you can cook on a stove, you can cook wrapped in foil. My Boy Scout troop, we had a meal that we called Cracker Barrel. And mm-hmm. it was the first night, whenever we would arrive, if we had been driving and it was kind of like, you know, 9 or 10 p.m., we'd been driving to the park 
or to the campsite. And we finally got there. We were all tired and kind of hungry, but it was kind of too late to cook. We would always, you know, we'd just set out a big box of saltine crackers, a chunk of Velveeta cheese, a big summer sausage. We always had that, but ours was always real fancy. Our Cracker Barrel, we had a guy there and he and his dad would go hunting. So he would always, they made their own like summer sausage. Mm. So we'd bring like venison summer sausage with like cheese and jalapenos. Oh man. (laughs) It was so good. (laughs) Uh, In in college one year, I had a roommate whose dad was a taxidermist and Hmm. this guy was awesome. Every time he would visit, he would just load up our freezer with homemade summer sausage, bacon, stuff, stuff that he had made, wild boar sausage, all sorts of just like exotic meats. He was from out in East Texas. It was always amazing. It was like the best, <laughs> the best meat ever. I know. You know, as for camping goes, I, I would definitely recommend bring as few ingredients as possible. You don't want to be going crazy. Just think simple. I've seen some people yeah. make crazy things and that's fine, but I always prefer simple food. Agreed. And there's there nothing that garlic powder and hot sauce can't fix, you know? Right. And- all of these meals, as elaborate as some of them may sound, they're very easy. Like one stage, you don't want to be making things in multiple stages. You just want to be able to make mm-hmm. it in one stage, whether it's in a pot or in one pan or something like that. You don't want to be like doing multiple steps. We all, I always like to buy some of those like par-baked bread loaves. You get like the ones that are like half-baked, wrap those in foil, just toss them in the, yeah, in the coals. Yeah, some of that garlic bread. Yeah, you know, I've done steaks and baked potatoes, which where the hardest part was wrapping the potatoes in foil and putting them in the coals. I mean, I'm all about that. One last tip I would say, be sure that after you're finished, be sure you do clean up everything, wash everything, yes. don't leave stuff out because that will attract animals and that could actually be very dangerous. So don't leave your food out. Don't leave stuff unwashed. Don't be like, I'm going to wash this tomorrow. Definitely clean up as soon as you're finished. Clean all the food. Put all your extra food away. Keep it away from your tent. Clean all your pots and pans and make sure there's no traces of food out because you do not want to attract animals when you're out and about. Check your local regulations. Some parks have certain regulations of how far away you need to cook from your campsite, especially if you're in the backcountry. If you're at an established campsite in a state park or something like yeah. that, it's it's not as important. But if you're especially if you're in the backcountry or backpacking, you typically want to cook and store your food something along the lines of I would say fifty yards downwind from your campsite. Just that's where you put your food. That's where you, you cook. That's where you eat. You just you don't want any food around where your sleeping area is. Just out of an abundance of caution. Do not keep your food in your tent. Put it all away. And also, before you go, check your regulations. Call the state park or the national park because the worst thing is if you're planning to cook something on the fire or the coals and there's a burn ban. So you need to know because if you go out there with your foil and your burgers and you get out there and you can't have a fire, you need to have a backup plan, right? Have a stove and try to make them on the stove instead. Like you Make sure you know what the current situation is because if there's a drought uh, or or if different situations are going on, they may have a burn ban. They may not allow you to have a fire. Yeah. And most of the U.S., or at least the from Texas West, most of the summer is you're more than likely going to have some level of burn ban. The further west you go, the worse it's going to be usually. If you're in somewhere like um, Nevada, Colorado, Arizona, California, you, you are not going to be able to have a campfire. So if that's something that's important to you, maybe you look for another place. You know, you see people all the time that will still make them and have them anyway. And that's just one of the most irresponsible things that you can do is ignore burnt bands. Don't start like a national wildfire just because you want to have a hot dog. Like, <laughs> like Just eat the hot dog. Come on. They're cooked that's anyway. That's probably worse than the uh, gender reveal party. Oh, like, yeah, it is. But starting a forest fire for a hot dog is... Come on, guys. 
and the penalties are high. They are super high. And, you know, worse than that, I won't like you anymore. Yeah, there's very few things that you can do to uh, to make <laughs> us not like you. And starting a forest fire <laughs> is, one of is them. probably one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. You you about ready for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News? I am, James. And this week, it's your turn. What have you got for us? So I have found, basically, it's it's something that plenty of people have done. It's it's not something, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. it's the trek up Mount Hushan in China. Oh, I've never heard Mount of this. Mount Hushan, H-U-A-S-H-A-N. This says, it's less like a hike and more like a knee-shaking shuffle over thin wooden planks with only a steel chain to hold on to. <laughs> Have you seen pictures of this? Well, I, I haven't, but I'm looking at them right now. That's terrifying. Oh, yeah. it's, it's Good insane. Lord. And we'll, we'll put some pictures on this. That is, oh my gosh. I also don't know if it was meant made to hold an American. I don't if, know. If you know what I mean. Yes, I do. So here's what I've always said. I'm not afraid of heights, James. I do not care about heights. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm fine walking on like the Golden Gate Bridge or going up to like the Bay Oak Sky Tower in Bangkok it doesn't bother me at all. It's engineering that I don't trust, and I don't know if I trust their engineering. No, and and the more I think about it, like with a chain in the wall, like and I don't trust my own two feet not to be clumsy and just like to topple me over. It's not it's not heights I'm afraid of. It's falling, <laughs> and you're not attached to the chain. You're holding on to it. Oh my god, you have to go down the same way, like and pass, pass other people. people. See, that's no, wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Not worth it. And like the view at the top looks cool, but it's not that impressive. There's like a small pagoda and that's it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can see that. Okay. I get it. It looks awesome. I would want yeah. to do it. Not going to do it. Um, I would like to have done it. <laughs> oh, there's a tea house at the top. It's, it says it's, the, it's China's most remote tea house. Well, now I'm doing it. <laughs> I do like tea. It's super cool looking. It's pretty, yeah. but I mean, it's not, it's not that impressive. And I hate to say it because I mean, it's, it's very impressive. But is it die on a wooden plank impressive? Why is it wooden? Yeah. Is it die on a wooden plank for a cup of tea impressive? Because <laughs> I do like tea, but I can get tea. Yeah. I mean, Panda Expresses around here have opened up little tea houses inside. How do I they just really? go down the street. Yeah, I know. It's kind of cool. I miss Panda Express, and I cannot wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I got to shout out Panda Express. Panda Express is delicious. <laughs> don't care. It's not authentic. I don't care. I do not care. No, I have a good buddy who lives in Hong Kong. Uh, we were neighbors in university for years and years. Really great guy. I, I visited him a couple years ago, and he's like, oh, I miss Panda Express so bad. He's like, it's not Chinese <laughs> at all, but I miss it so bad. It's so <laughs> good. It. But yeah, they've started opening like tea houses inside. It's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can go there and not have to die. I mean, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of like salt in their food, but. I've been to some good tea houses. Mm-hmm. It's, maybe this is really spectacular. I don't know. But, um, but what if you got up there and it was mediocre? What are you going to do? You're just mad? Like, what if it's like a Lipton? They hand you like a Lipton lemon-flavored drink. Oh. <laughs> or brisk. What if they hand you a brisk iced tea? A br- <laughs> I mean, that might be really refreshing after that. You know, Lipton and brisk has its place. Would I climb this mountain for a Lipton? No. <laughs> I like brisk. It doesn't taste like tea, but I like it. <laughs> it just tastes like lemon drink, and it's delicious. But you know, would I would I do that for a brisk 
Probably not. Would you risk it for the brisk it? <laughs> now, if there was a barbecue joint up there? For like actual brisket? If you could, what if you get up there and there was like a guy like with a smoker and just like making brisket? This this whole thing took a turn, and I'm not upset about it. <laughs> no, but uh, wow, that's incredible! I have never seen this before, and it looks it looks cool. It, it, it looks does cool, look cool, but the going down is what gets me. Where you have to like pass people by holding onto the chain and like because who's going to be on the outside? That's the scary part. I'm guessing the person going down probably. Yeah, you've already got the tea. You if you die, you've already had the tea. Does it enlighten you? Maybe it's like a tea of enlightenment. Because that's the only way I could see it being worth it. I mean, probably not. In some of these pictures, it is crowded. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I'm good. Yeah. And I mean, especially, like you said, I don't trust engineering. Right. I don't trust this tiny plank that hundreds of people walk on. So no. That's still very For for brisket, yeah. (laughs) For tea, no. For the brisket. Unless it was like tea of enlightenment. If it took you to Nirvana. Dalai Lama was in New York. He wanted to try a real New York hot dog. And he said, uh, make me one with everything. Dalai Lama doesn't eat meat. He doesn't. <laughs> well, so that was that. We have a loose definition of news as well. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for listening to us talk today. We really enjoyed it. Write in with your favorite camp meal or your COVID-19 adventure experiences or anything else that you'd like to tell us or share. We're always excited to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, Attempt Adventure. Our website, attemptadventure.com. You can find us on Twitter, at AttemptPod. And if you want to get in touch with us, write in hello at attemptadventure.com, or go to our website, click the contact button, and send us a message there. Don't forget your monthly challenge. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you're feeling generous. We'd love a review. So we'll be back on schedule after this. And until next time, keep adventuring.